are great. And there is none like you in all of the earth. Father, we gather on this morning just to tell you thank you for being our great God. Thank you for drying every tear. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Now, Father, it's preaching time, and we need a word today. Somebody's about ready to throw in the towel, and they need to know just what they must do to make it in this race. Somebody's lost this morning and in need of salvation. Would you make it clear to them how one can be saved? And then, God, somebody's misbehaving today, and they need a word, a word that will turn them around and put their feet back on solid ground. Give them what they need today. And then, God, if you'll answer all these requests, I just have one more. That's keep me at the foot of Calvary. For these people need to see you, God. Wash me and forgive me of my sins, for they are many. And then stand in me today and give me preaching power that preaching may be done. And Lord, we'll give you the honor and the glory and the praise. In Jesus' name, all God's people said amen and amen. If you'll open your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 19. Genesis chapter 19, beginning at verse 12. We are in a three-week series titled The Wickedness of Sodom. And we are in our second sermon for today. Can y'all give me just a little more volume up here? I want to hear myself. I don't have much voice today. Thank you. Genesis chapter 19, verse 12. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? Son-in-law? Your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and he said, Get up and get out of this place. For the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. And when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. The Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass when they had brought them outside that he said, escape for your life and do not look behind you nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please know, my lords. Indeed, now your, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have increased your mercy, which you have shown me by saving my life. But I cannot escape to the mountains, lest some evil overtake me and I die. See, now this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one, so please let me escape there. Is not it a little one? And my soul shall live. And he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, and that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. So hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. And therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. And the sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. And then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of heaven. So he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him 
and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And then he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain, and he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land, which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass, when God destroyed the cities of the plain, that God remembered Abraham, and he sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor this morning. Tell him, neighbor. neighbor. Oh, neighbor. Oh, neighbor. This, morning, this morning, my pastor, my pastor. Wants, to to wants to talk to you about the wickedness of Sodom and the house Lot left. Amen. You may be seated. The picture of salvation, family, is prevalent in this text. For Lot has to be rescued before he destroys himself and his family. The problem with this picture is that while God intervenes and rescues him, Lot's heart is still in Sodom. He wants to be rescued. But he also wants the things of the world, too. This lesson is good for the child of God because it teaches us, Alana, that we must flee from the lust of the flesh and the lust of the world. It teaches us you can't serve two masters. You can't love God and love the world, too. I think I just said something right there. This text is going to open up for us just what it takes for one to be saved. And hopefully by the end of this message, somebody will decide which side you on. I got five quick points for you. Number one, I'm going to talk about Lot's witness in Sodom. Number two, I'm going to talk about Lot's waiting in Sodom. And number three, I'm going to talk about Lot's warning in Sodom. Number four, I'm going to talk about Lot's weakness for Sodom. And number five, I'm going to talk about the, Lot, the Lord's wrath against Sodom. And I'll give them to you again as we go through. But let's look at this first one, Lot's witness in Sodom. Notice this, the Bible says, Mr. Garcia, in verse 12, that then the men said to Lot, these are the angels that have been sent by God to rescue him. Have you anybody else here in this house? You have son-in-laws, you have daughters, whomever you have in this city, take them out of this place. You hear the call for household salvation? He says, for we will destroy this place because the outcry against them, the Sodomites, has grown before the face of the Lord. And the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law who had married his daughters. And he said to them, get up and get out of this place. For the Lord, listen to his witness, you hear me? For the Lord will destroy this city. But his sons-in-law thought he was joking. Notice this. When we come to this portion of the text, we see what I call as a direct turn in the mind of Lot and in the revelation of who these men truly were that have come to stay in Lot's house. See, until now, Lot had no idea that these guests were not normal men. He had no idea that these were angels. But it's when they strike the Sodomites at the door with blindness that he gets an understanding that these are more than normal men. And so in verse 13, they declare to Lot what they've come to do, what their business in Sodom was. They've come to destroy the city. And then we notice that Lot all of a sudden becomes a witness. What do you mean, pastor? He becomes a witness with a message from God. When this whole time he had been in Sodom, he wasn't saying nothing about Yahweh. Are you listening here? 
the problem with this is that though he all of a sudden became a witness, his message was one where he had no credibility. Because he lived in Sodom so long that those now who were closest to him couldn't even believe a word that he said. In order to really understand this, you're going to have to go backtrack and do get last week's notes, all right? And stay with me. But for the sake of time, let me press through it. The text says that Lot tried to warn his son-in-laws. Did you read it? And they were in the house. Watch this. And they were in the house, Tom, which implies that they had access to the same salvation that Lot had. The same salvation that was promised to Lot was promised to the sons-in-laws. But guess what? They don't want any parts of it. In fact, the Bible says that when they hear the message, they thought Lot was joking. Can I say it another way? They thought as a witness he was a joke. Lot tried to witness, but, 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 but nobody took him serious. Lot tried to share the same message that the angels gave him, but he was ineffective, and I think I know why. Somebody say, why, Pastor? The brother lived a double life. He became a sodomite, but now he's going to try to be a witness too. You know what's impossible for you to be a sodomite and a believer? Lot couldn't talk about salvation from Sodom because his reputation made others think he was all about Sodom. Can I turn, can I turn the light on right here? Bro, Gray, I found out it's hard to be a witness against Sodom when your work and your world is wrapped up in Sodom. It's hard to be a witness against Sodom when Sodom is in your home and your home is in Sodom. It's hard to be a witness against Sodom when nobody takes you serious because of the lifestyle you live. You know what I notice here, Reverend Wilson? Lot had a word to proclaim, but nobody would hear him. Lot had a message that was worth hearing, Tonton, but nobody would listen. Lot had an urgency to save somebody, but nobody took him serious. What a tragedy. They were this close to being saved from the wrath of God, but their messenger was not credible. What a tragedy. They had salvation at their grasp, but when they couldn't trust in the one who brought them the message, they ended up losing their lives. What a tragedy. They had the angels present. They had access to God. They were offered and included in the great escape. But the witness messed them up. In other words, in other words brothers and sisters, they tripped over his message because his lifestyle was raggedy. They tripped over the warning, Minister McBee, because Lot was in the way. They tripped over the rescue attempt because his behavior while in Sodom deceived them. Can I ask you a question? Who tripping over your behavior today? Why ain't your son or daughter followers of Christ? Why ain't your mama or daddy believers? Are they tripping over your behavior? Do you got too many Sodom-like tendencies? They would believe your message, but your lifestyle is in the way. That was Lot's witness. Let me give you point two. Lot's waiting in Sodom. Lot's waiting in Sodom. Verse 15. The Bible says, with the coming of dawn, the angels, you see that there? They urge Lot, saying, hurry, take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Or you will be swept away when the city is punished. Verse 16. 
when he hesitated, circle that word, the men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and of his two daughters. And they led them safely out of the city. For the Lord was merciful to them. Can I work there for a minute, family? Notice this. When we come to this portion of the text, Brother Jameson, we notice that Lot all of a sudden becomes a procrastinator. Stay with me. He was just a witness trying to warn everybody in the house. But now that the nighttime has passed, his mind begins to change about the certain crisis he's in. And he becomes a procrastinator. His sons have rejected the message. His wife and daughters are dragging their feet about leaving Sodom. And all of a sudden, his mind starts to play tricks on him. So the angels have to say to him, hurry up. It's morning. We warned you way in the nighttime. Hurry. And they end up dragging the daughters and the wife and Lot to get out of the city. Here's what I noticed. The angels in this text have waited long enough on the household of Lot. Time was running out. Mm. Time was no more. God had sent them on a mission and now the mission must be completed. And the angels couldn't wait any longer. Beloved, there comes a time when God is going to punish the Sodomites. I told you on last week that, that uh, uh, um, Leonard Ravenhill said in his great book, Sodom Has No Bible. If God will punish Sodom, then God got to punish America. Beloved, there's a time, the time will come when the mercy of God will run out. Don't think God's mercy will last forever. There will be a time when all those who are going to be saved will be saved. And all those who are not will not. Time had run out in Lot's house. Is time running out in your house? Time had run its course in Lot's house. Time had completed its journey in Lot's house. It was the Lord's will that they leave Sodom and that they leave it right now. It was the Lord's will because his wrath was getting ready to fall. But Lot in this case, Sister Rie, daughter, he, he, he becomes a procrastinator himself. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, he appears to be second-guessing his own message. It's morning now. Look, look at this, y'all. And the evening crisis, Brother James, is now over. What do you mean? Uh, ain't nobody trying to kill him no more. Two verses earlier, they were bamming on the door. And the angels took care of that. But it's morning now. And the town has finally settled down into a pseudo-chaos. And it's morning, and maybe he thinks that the storm has passed over. In his thinking, yes, it's making him now procrastinate concerning the wrath of God that's to come. Can I turn the light on right here? Many times, this is how it is for the child of God who's in a backsliding condition. See, during their nighttime scenario, they are aware that they need to escape. And they even want to change their situation. But when the morning comes, are you listening? It's easy to take oneself out of the equation for leaving sin. Maybe that fight wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Maybe when they pulled the trigger and the gun didn't get off, it wasn't really that bad. Can I talk to you? We have a way in a backslidden condition with minimizing our sin. God can show you. You better get out of here and rescue you from harm's way. But if you stay too long, 
you'll get amnesia about what he warned you to do. Who am I talking to this morning? When the morning came, Lot began to change his mind. Because the struggle he had at midnight was over now. The angels gave him the same warning they did the night before. Flee, hurry up. Because destruction is coming. Notice this. Their request for him is urgent. Why? Because they realize that God is angry. And he's commanded them to destroy the city. Lot's hesitation for us is a picture of how good sin feels. I don't want to sugarcoat it. Sin feels good. That's why we're drawn like a magnet to it. Come on, y'all. Stay Baptist in here. It's hard to leave a place where your flesh has grown attached to. I ain't mad at you. I ain't mad at you. No, when your flesh gets connected to something that's forbidden, it's hard to flee that thing. Look at the text, verse 16. Keep your Bibles open. The Bible starts off and says, when he hesitated. Y'all see that right there? The men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led them out softly. Look at this. Look at Lot hesitating. He's rethinking his position, recalculating the cost. He was just clear that he needed to leave last night, but this morning his mind's playing tricks on him. The angels have to pull him back into the crisis. Uh, Somebody ought to say, thanks be to God. Look, the angels had to grab the hands of his family. And that right there is a picture of God dragging his elect out of the situation where they have no sense of being. I know I know some of y'all, we like to take the credit for us not doing things when the truth is God had to shut door on your sin sometimes. Because you ain't got sense to get out of it. God has to drag you. Because you're the elect of God to pull you out of a situation. God had to shut a door on you because you won't leave her alone. God had to shut a door on you because you know you don't know that he ain't no good for you. Can I just say it like I feel it? Look, God has a plan for Lot and, and his plan is against him staying in Sodom. I just felt good. God recognizes that Lot doesn't have a will of his own anymore. And that sin has him in bondage. And Lot cannot leave it on his own. That's why it's impossible for you to try to save yourself. You ain't got that kind of divine willpower. You need a God to snatch you. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. In God's mercy in this text, look what he does. He orders the angels to grab Lot's family and to drag them, watch this now, against their will. I wish y'all would let me work a little right there. Can I call roll? The only reason why you saved today is because he saved you against your will. Because if you had your will and your way, you'd still be doing you today. The truth is God had to make everybody shipwrecked and then snatch you from that thing. Because you ain't got sense enough to leave it. You're wrecking and stay in your wreck like it's all good. But God has to snatch you to save you because he's a merciful God. My my pastor, Dr. Waddles, will say he could have let them perish, but mercy took them out of the way (laughs) because they didn't have sense enough to leave Sodom. Y'all catch me right there? Can I turn the corner right here? Reverend White, no man should hesitate when it comes to saving his family from Sodom. But because Lot is in love with Sodom, he's hesitating about even household salvation. Remember last week I told you he was so corrupt, he tried to give his daughters. 
to the homosexual men so they could rape them. Just so he could protect his business investments. He ain't thinking right. But no man should hesitate, Andrew, when it comes to obeying the will of the Lord. No man should hesitate when it comes to delivering his babies to a safer place. No man should hesitate, Darian, when it comes to obeying the word and the will of the Lord. Don't be like Lot, brothers, when you know what the word has said. Don't be like Lot, sisters, when you, yeah, have heard God's messenger tell you what to do. Don't be like Lot, family, and stay too long in Sodom and lose your witness. Don't be like Lot and procrastinate with the things of God. Well, I've talked to you about Lot's witness in Sodom. I've argued about Lot's waiting in Sodom. Let me turn the light on now with Lot's warning in Sodom. Y'all in here with me? Verse 17. As soon as they had brought them out, one of the angels said to him, Sister Greer, flee for your lives. Don't look back. And don't stop anywhere in the plane. Then he says, get to the mountains or you're going to be swept away. Now notice this. When we come to this verse, we see another warning given by the angels to Lot. And watch this now. And his family. Mm. The first warning was just to Lot. But the second warning is a household. Warning. In other words, brothers and sisters, they all got the message at the same time. Can I flush it out? The mama heard for herself. The daughters heard for themselves. And Lot heard it again for the third time. This is what you call a corporate call to salvation. This is a corporate call to obey the will of the Lord. Lot is just not going to be responsible himself. Now everybody has heard the warning for themselves. Is there anybody here today that knows that one day your children going to hear the warning for themselves? Is there anybody here that knows that one day every member of your clan going to be responsible for obeying the word and the warning of the Lord? Here we see that the daughters have been dragged by the angels. Yeah, yeah. After they didn't make the right choice. Here we see the mothers having to be dragged by the angels. After they, the mother rather, didn't make the right choice. But if they're going to be saved, it's going to be because they have made the choice to obey the word of the Lord. Everyone must choose. And everyone must obey for themselves. Let me give you another observation in this text. Sister Wilson, love of my life, I saw something here that arrests me. The angels give Lot and his family their final warning to flee from sin. I told you that. But this warning is the last warning before destruction. In other words, God has a last warning. For everybody on your pew this morning. And only he knows when your last warning is. But because he's a just God, his wrath don't fall on you without warning. Look, he gave him three. Flee for your life. Don't look back. Y'all saw that? And then don't stop anywhere on your way to the next destination. I want to give somebody notice today. You need to flee from the sodomite lifestyle. I want to give somebody notice today. That if you want to go to heaven, you got to flee the lust of the flesh. Ah, whoremongers, adulterers, homosexuals will not enter the kingdom of heaven. 
I got to warn somebody today. If you want the favor of God to rest on you, you can't stay in your sins. You got to flee from them while there is time. That's Lot's warning. Let me give you point four, Lot's weakness for Sodom. I've talked about Lot's witness. I've talked about Lot's waiting. I've talked about Lot's warning. Now let me talk about Lot's weakness for Sodom. Y'all in here? Verse 18 says, but Lot said to them, to the angels, no, lords, please. What? Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you've shown me great kindness in sparing my life. Watch this now. Look at his excuse. But I can't go to the mountains because there's something there that'll overtake me. Fool, you was just in Sodom. You see his weakness? He's making excuses about how God going to save him. I'm going somewhere with that. He looks in verse 20 and he says, but look here, there's a town that's near to Sodom. If I have to leave, I don't want to go too far. I want to be close enough where I can... Smell it. Far enough where I can lick it. Far enough where I can run to it and get a little taste when I need it. When we come to this text, Lot has become weary in his obedience to God and wearied in God's warning. And this reveals his weakness for Sodom. I, I ain't mad at Lot. Can I tell you what I found out? Sodom is in his head. It's in his heart, Lori. It's in his nature. Can I say some more? All of his stuff is there. His prophets are there. His career is there. His passions are there. His memories are there. His contacts are there. His home is there. And he's showing the effects of what dwelling in sin looks like when it's time to flee from a fatalistic mentality. You ever wonder why the woman keeps going back to the man that's whooping her behind? She's invested. And though danger and calamity is killing her, she can't shake or loose her soul ties. It's hard to flee Sodom when Sodom got you. Can I say some more? Y'all too quiet in here. Come on, be Baptist for a few minutes. Talk back to me. Look, Lot's love for sin. Has Lot stuck in Sodom? Lot's love for the life he had in Sodom makes him want to live close to it. So after this is all over, he can go back. The love of sin has a pull on his heart. Sin makes Lot give excuses why he can't leave entirely from the situation. Sin makes Lot think something bad will happen if he leaves the place of bondage. Good God Almighty, the love of the world and the love of sin is a powerful thing. Look, family, it will control your thoughts. It will control your actions in spite of what you know is the current situation. Sin will make you think you can't live without it. Okay, y'all ain't in here, so let me put all 280 pounds on it. Sin will make you think, uh, yeah, make you think that where God is taking you is too dangerous for you. Sin will make you second guess what God is doing in your life. Sin will make you not trust in the salvation of the Lord. Sin will make you think that what God has for you is worse than what you had for yourself. <laughs> and as a result, Lot have forgotten 
how dangerous Sodom was the night before he left. He had forgotten that he was a wanted man in Sodom. And that the men of the city tried to kill him. Lot's love for sin had overridden everything he just went through. Now, y'all either quiet because there's a whole lot of sin jumping off. Or Reverend is just too deep this morning. Let me ask you a question if I can, so I can pull you in to the conversation. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready? Is there anybody here that can understand the lot mentality? Can anybody here see what this brother is dealing with? Can anybody here identify somebody that looks like lot? Have you been there? Has sin ever lied to you? Has sin ever convinced you to stay a little while longer? Has sin ever tricked you to spend one more night? Has sin ever pulled you back for one more high? Has sin ever tricked you into giving him one more kiss? Has sin ever misled led you to give her one more ride home? Ain't sin deceiving? I said, ain't sin deceiving? Somebody ought to tell Lot that enough is enough. Somebody ought to tell Lot you didn't stay too long in Sodom. Somebody ought to go back in time and tell this brother the wrath of God is about to come. You better get away, Lot. Far away, Lot. From the sin that wants to steal your soul. Somebody talk to me and yell out, run, Lot, run. Well, maybe it was too much 4th of July, I don't know. But I tried to talk to him, James, about the witness of Lot and Sodom. I tried to talk to them about Lot's waiting in Sodom. I tried to explain Lot's warning in Sodom. I may have didn't do a good job, but I tried to reveal Lot's weakness in Sodom. Now let me close and talk about the Lord's wrath against Sodom. Tell your neighbor, when you leave here, you've been briefed. Verse 21 says that the angel said to Lot, very well. I'll grant you this request too. I will not overthrow this little town that you're speaking about. Verse 22. But flee there quickly. Because I can't do anything to Sodom until you reach it. Verse 23. But the time, by the time Lot reached Zoar, the sun had risen over the land. Verse 24. Then the Lord rained down, Lord Jesus burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord. You see that? From heaven. Then he, or thus he overthrew the cities of the entire plain, including all those that live in the cities and all the vegetation in the land. <laughs> Verse 26, but Lot's wife, Lord God. She looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Well, as I unpack the wagon for the last haul, the first thing we discover in this verse is that God tolerates <coughs> Lot's requests. What do you mean, Pastor? God is yet having mercy on Lot instead of not giving him what he's asking for. Instead of denying Lot access to Zoar, God allows him to escape there. Why? Well, I believe it's because God knew he was going to destroy everything around it. 
and there wasn't going to be no more Sodom or influence left for Lot to travel back to. See, Lot in his heart think he's fooling God. Let me stay close enough. Y'all too quiet for me. Let me stay close enough where I can go back and get a little something, something. When I feel the urge to get a little. But God already knows I'm going to kill everything that you were once connected to. Can I just tell you, God know how to deliver his children, even when they don't know how they should be delivered. Sometimes God will give you what you ask for, Roy, only to destroy it before your eyes. Sometimes he'll let you think you can still have access, only to prove to you that he knows what's best for you. He told you to leave that relationship. And you keep trying to hang around. Don't worry. He going to take care of it. Sometimes your foolish and selfish desires make you think God don't know what you up to. Or that God don't know why you asking what you asking. But he knows. He's all-knowing. We call it omniscient. Sometimes it's better, yes, to let you think you've got access to your old life until you can see for yourself that that bridge has been destroyed. Try to go back in the hood if you want to. Try to go back into the dope house if you want to. Try to go back into your old sinful ways if you want to. When God has destroyed something, it's destroyed. Are y'all listening to me? Perhaps Lot, perhaps Lot, Reverend Tong, would have quit running if the angel said, no, you can't go to Zoar. I don't know. I wasn't there. But if I could use my sanctified imagination... He probably was whining all the way out of Sodom. They tell him to get to the mountains and he's whining. I can't go to the mountains. I might die if I go to the mountains. Are y'all with me here? Whining all the way so the angels just let him whine to shut him up. Go and go to that little city. Can I say some more? Sometimes I think that's what God does with us. He puts up with our whining. But he know he's going to destroy the thing that has you as a hostage. He's going to destroy the thing that has you in a headlock. He's going to destroy the thing that's trying to destroy your soul. See, you can't have salvation with God and then be a part of the world. There must be a severing, even if he has to sever it on his own. I just said something right there. Well, y'all growing weary, so let me get out your way. For the one who is like Lot today, let me relate to you. Salvation, baby, is hard. Salvation from sin is hard. I'm not making light of that. Sometimes salvation from wickedness is difficult. Sometimes salvation from worldliness Takes everything out of you. I wrote myself a list here, Sister Pee Wee, and tell me if you think this is right, daughter. But Lot had never been free from Sodom. Lot had never been forced to flee from what he loves. Lot had never seen this side of life. He has had to leave Everything he's gained in life behind. He, he had it all in Sodom. And God now, watch this y'all, was asking him to give it all up. In order to be saved. Look at that. Isn't that like what Jesus is saying? If a man will come after me, 
He must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. You know it's impossible to be saved and have stuff? What kind of stuff? Stuff that you trust in for salvation. That just felt good right there. It's impossible to trust in God for salvation and trust in your job too. It's impossible to trust in God for salvation and in your man or your woman too. God demands that you only trust him. Salvation from Sodom was hard. And if that wasn't bad, he lost the love of his life. I almost made this a six point, but I said, no, they can't handle six. Just let me put it as a conclusion. It would have went real good, though, because we would have said something like this. Lots witness in Sodom. Lots waiting in Sodom. Lots uh, warning in Sodom. Lots weakness in Sodom. The Lord's wrath in Sodom. And Lot's wife from Sodom. I think when I go to the next revival, I'm going to preach it just like that. Verse 26 gives you my points. Stay, keep your Bibles open, amen. Don't make it up. Look it up. Verse 26 says, but Lot's wife. You should circle that, BJ. Good to see you, son. She looked back. She did just what the angels told her not to do. Somebody yell out, oh, hard-headed woman. She looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. Look at this. The command, y'all heard me say this, the command that was given was given to the entire family. And what was it? Flee from this place, number one. Somebody say number one. Number two was, don't look back. And number three was, don't stay anywhere in the plane. She heard the word for herself, Zuniga. But when we come to this last verse, we see that this wife decided she don't care what her family was going to do. She was going to do what she wanted to do. And as a result, yes, her disobedience brought the wrath of God upon herself. This sin brought instant judgment. This sin brought instant calamity. This sin brought instant death. Can I say something right there? There's some sins that bring instant judgment. And there are some sins where judgment is prolonged. You be hard-headed if you want to. You disobey what God is warning you about if you want to. There are some times when his judgment is right here, right now. And sometimes he lets you think you're getting away. But can I tell you that nobody, Ambriel, gets away? I don't care who you are. You may do it in the dark, but it's going to come to the... Nobody gets away. You may be 51 and think nobody remember you at 25, but I guarantee you, you're going to pay for what you did. Ask your neighbor, uh, do you know what time it is? Do you know? Look, look, look at this. I'm almost through. I'm almost through. Hang on. Tell your neighbor, he almost through. This woman who Lot married from Sodom, she perished, watch this, not because she was from Sodom. She perished because she disobeyed the word of the Lord. In other words, a God ain't racist. He judges everybody that disobeys his word. The Bible don't even say she was homosexual. But she got judged. Why? She disobeyed the word. So you mean God don't punish you because you are alcoholic? God don't punish you because you are a crackhead? God don't punish you because you steal? You cheat? 
You like same sex? No. God punish you because you disobey the word. Can I turn the light on? Lot's wife died because she refused to continue to flee. Lot's wife died because she refused to go forward with the command of God. She died because her heart was in Sodom and she couldn't live without it. When she looked back at Sodom, it was with a desire, a damn to dwell there. When she looked back, it was with a desire to return there. When she looked back, it was with anger and resentment for having to leave there. Dina, her God was in Sodom. Her lust was in Sodom. Her hope was in Sodom. Her salvation was in Sodom. And so she would perish with Sodom. When she heard and saw the destruction of her city, her heart was destroyed. Because it would have been impossible to not hear the cries of the people getting pummeled by the sulfur and the brimstone falling on the capital. I stopped by to tell you that the sinner who refuses to trust God for salvation will perish with the rest of those who reject their way out of sin. Hello, is this thing on? Somebody tweet this for me. I'll give it back to you. The sinner who refuses to trust God for salvation will perish with the rest of those who reject their way out of sin. Luke 17, verse 32, Jesus gives one powerful verse. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Three words. Remember Lot's wife. What a sermon, preachers. Remember Lot's wife. This is where it comes from. The text says, watch this now, she died. But notice, she became a pillar, Sister Johnson, of salt. What does that mean? Well, first of all, it's the picture of a horrific sin. See, when the wrath of God fell on Sodom, it rained brimstone and fire, and it came from heaven. And the sulfur that fell helped to vanquish the entire existence of the Sodomites. And the text says all the cities and all the grounds and all of the people, everything died. When she turns back, she sees it. And instantly, she either has a heart attack or she has some type of anxiety, but she dies on the spot. It wasn't the fire and the brimstone and the sulfur that killed her. It was what she saw. Are you listening here? And then the text says, she drops dead, but they have to keep fleeing. Moses, writing Genesis, records that, that she became a pillar of salt. It's not that salt was falling from the air. She was froze like a statue. She died. But scholars say, this is really powerful. In that area from the Dead Sea, the salt that resonates around the Dead Sea covers everything in its existence. And so even though she no longer is underwater from the sea, her body, being unburied, was now covered with the sulfuric acids of the salt, making her a solid image, yes, of one who disobeyed God. Okay, let me say it another way. God memorialized her body. And made her a statue for you to remember. This is what happens when you disobey my word. Y'all in here? Well, let me close. <clears throat> That's a sad way to end the text. 
And sometimes the text just in that way. But y'all know I'm trying to get to Calvary. How do I get to Calvary from there? I'm glad you asked. You got to keep reading the text. The Bible says, and Abraham, early in the morning, went to the place where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked towards Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw and behold, the smoke of the land which went up was like the smoke of a furnace. And he says, and it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that, here it is, God remembered Abraham. Oh, circle that. That's good news for you. Why? Why? Because it was Abraham that cried out to God. Asking for God to save his nephew Lot. It was Abraham who was the one responsible for pushing the mercy of God to remember a heathen that had walked away from God. Hey, help me, Holy Ghost. Close it out today. I'm through when I tell you that because Abraham remembered Lot. God remembered Abraham. Abraham pleaded with God to save his nephew. And as a result, it was his righteous intercession that kept the wrath of God from killing his family member. Can I say it like I feel it? One man pushed the mercy of God to cover the sins of his family. Oh, oh. one man troubled God enough that he heard his cry and delivered his nephew. I believe that one man could do great things in the earth if he knows how to talk with God. I believe that one man can move the hand of God to do something phenomenal on behalf of his family. In fact, the Bible is clear. That whenever God got ready to do something great, he wouldn't use a whole lot of men. He just used one at a time. Can I call roll? One man built an ark and saved his whole house from hell and, and the wrath of God. One man became the father of many nations and brought us the Messiah. One man prayed. And fire fell from heaven and wiped out the false prophets of Baal. One man prayed in the lion's den and shut the mouths of the king of the jungle. Can I say more? Books of the Bible are not named after a bunch of men. Just one at a time. Ezra, one man. Nehemiah, Obadiah. Jonah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, John, Luke. God used one man to record the word of the Lord that we might be fed on today. But all these men, they had one thing in common. Anybody want to know what it is? All these men work for one man. And the one man is the greatest man who ever lived on this side of heaven. One man created the heavens and the earth. One man yeah, was with God in the beginning. And he was God. One man created his own incarnation, was born of a virgin Mary, wrapped in swaddling clothes. One man stepped out of eternity past into eternity present and wrapped himself in the likeness of flesh. One man walked on earth 
giving sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. One man defeated the devil, ran off demons, and cured all manner of disease. One man raised dead men back to life, walked on water, and calmed the seas. I said, one man fed 5,000 with two fish and five loaves of bread. One man took sins on himself, became the Lamb of God to take away my transgressions. Do you know this man? One man died that all may live. One man crucified on a hill called Calvary. 2,000 years ago, one man took down the devil and all of humanity died didn't he die died that the earth rocked and riddled died that my sins were forgiven died to reconcile a broken humanity back to a holy God one man did all of that do you know him today his name is Jesus, Mary's baby, Jesus, Jehovah's son, Jesus, El Shaddai, he died, didn't he die, and early Sunday morning, he was raised, wasn't he raised, he was raised, didn't he rise from the dead? With all power, all power, all power in his hand. I'm through preaching now. But one man is right now at the right hand of the Father, clothed in all of his righteousness. One man, Jehovah Jireh, we call him. He always his name. One man right now in heaven waiting to judge the nations one man is responsible for this book one man is responsible for my salvation one man wrote my name in the lamb's book of life one man has got my heart i'm in love with one man he's my savior he's my friend he'll stick closer than a brother he's been a mother to the motherless and a father to the fatherless he's been a brother to the brotherless he's been protection from the rain he's been bread when i'm hungry water when i'm thirsty he's been a bridge over troubled water do you know that man do you know that man his name is jesus 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 do you know that name there's power in that name there's healing in that name salvation in that name there's help in that name sobriety in that name security in that name resources in that name there's joy in that name oh yes there is can i help myself i'm through preaching now but i'm glad i'm glad i know the name you see the name ain't like no other name at that name every knee gonna bow at that name every tongue's gonna confess at that name the devil's going to hell at that name the earth's gonna roll back the stars gonna fall the sun won't shine at that name a new kingdom will come down and i'm glad i know the name 
I'm glad I got the name. Do you got the name? Do you got the name? If you don't got the name, ask your neighbor. What's that name again? What's that name again? It's Jesus. Mary's baby. Jesus. Jehovah's son. I'm glad I got the name. At that name, cancer has to walk. At that name, high blood pressure has to come down. At that name, evil's got to flee. Anybody in here know the name? Anybody here love the name? I'm going to quit preaching, but I just wonder if you will stand up for the name. Is there anybody here that will stand for the name? I'm closing now, but my pastor in Chicago a few years ago, he got a little perturbed at the congregation.